podcast. I'm your host, Aaron, Aaron Cabrera underscore. And I'm your host, our co-host, Tony, at underscore Tony Cabrera on Twitter. And we have some good stuff to talk about, you know. We're going to get into Trevor Lawrence's uh, article with Sports Illustrated, uh, some of his comments uh, that's kind of been blown out of proportion. We're going to get into our top five safeties, linebackers, and corners. And we're going to get into some questions that we had this week. So jumping into Trevor Lawrence and uh, kind of this weird narrative that the media has been spinning this in. Uh, so so what? Uh, what's your take on it? Uh, I mean, it's overblown. <laughs> I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, like, you know, people just want to find a reason to bash someone or like just give it like a topic to talk about you know i don't think it's i don't know like people saying that trevor lawrence is untouchable now because of that but he's not only because he's trevor lawrence and stuff like that i mean that's just stupid i mean do y'all not did y'all not read the full article or when he said yeah i'll just get pick out the quotes that y'all wanted to hear that they wanted to hear or something because i mean like he clearly states that he's he wants to be the best quarterback of all time that's what he said I mean, that's not competitive to y'all. That's not a, he. All he said he was like, I mean, he's been the number one player his whole life, from middle school to high school to college, and now to the draft, and hopefully in the NFL. So I mean, he never had that. Never has a uh, really what was it? Com- all right, factor, yeah, that chip on his shoulder. Yeah, chip on his shoulder. So like, I mean, he's been that guy. I mean. And he's just a laid-back type of guy. So, I mean, like, just to say that he's not draftable or that's concerns and stuff like that, I mean, whatever. I mean, uh, Yeah, and then uh, to uh, catch everybody up that didn't listen, basically his quote was that he uh, – football doesn't define him, basically. You know, he, uh, he loves football. Football is his career, but it's not something that he – wants to be defined as just a football player, which is mean it pretty much falls in line with any other player today. You know, I mean, everybody wants to be something different or known for something different, uh, which is respectable. I mean, I mean, I understand it. I get it. Uh, I think the, just the media has been blown this out of proportion. Like Lewis Riddick, who uh, went on, I think, Good Morning Football, which, or whatever ESPN's version of it, but. NFL County. Or NFL countdown, something NFL life, something like that. He, uh, yeah, it shows you how much we care about Lewis <laughs> Riddick's opinion. But I mean, he was like, "Oh, I, was, I never talked." First of all, he said, "I never talked to Trevor Lawrence. I don't know Trevor Lawrence personally." And then you're gonna make a whole opinion about him based off like single conversation, little snippets of an article that you obviously didn't read. You're probably you probably just read the headlines like everybody else because yeah. the very last sentence in the article. Is that he wanted, like Tony said, he wants to be the greatest quarterback ever. So, I mean, I don't know how you can kind of judge a quarterback or judge not even a quarterback, a player based off of one, an article that you didn't read. Yeah. Especially a player that just doesn't want to be based off just football. I mean, he just got married this past week. I mean, that, that means a lot to him. And he wants to be known as a good husband. I mean, when you think of Trevor Lawrence, I'm sure he doesn't want to think of football, you know? So, I mean, yeah, he just wants to be a regular person, not, you know, I mean, like he said, define, or like he said, define as a, just an NFL player. That's it. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's reasonable. I mean, ask any NFL player what they yeah. want to be defined as. They don't want to be defined as just an NFL player. Yeah. But I just like, uh, I mean, how can you say that? Oh, first of all, you say if this was Justin Fields, then this would be a big story. When you're you're the one that just brought that up about Justin Fields, you know, like uh, like uh, talking about Fields' work ethic being questioned, which we never even acknowledge on here because we don't believe it anyway. But when by saying that, you bring that back into the spotlight also because uh, Fields did have that spotlight, you know, and you kind of bring it back up with this topic when it was pretty unnecessary, if you ask me. I don't know, man. I'm just not a, uh, like I said, I've never been the biggest Lewis Riddick fan. Uh, <laughs> Is it because he got you blocked on Twitter? I mean, I'm happy. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm happy he's not a Jags GM. So, because if he was a Jags GM and he just, I, just glad he's not the Jags GM. Anyway, that is just, it was, like I said, it was just a weird, weird thing to say to me. Uh, how are you taken aback by a quote of an article from a guy you never met or you never talked to? And yeah. it just. And, and you can tell by the tone of it. Like, if you actually watch the interview, like the video of it, instead of just reading the article, like, I mean, you could get, like, just how you do in text messages when, like, you kind of read a, a tone and it might be not be the way that you think it is, but it's just through text messages because you don't know how they're saying it. It's kind of like that. So, like, in the interview, you kind of, like, send it. You feel better about it. The situation feel better about it. So uh, about his quotes or whatever. So yeah, and, and like I said, it's just like a weird, uh, yeah. just a weird narrative going around that he questions his work ethic. I mean, if he didn't have the work ethic, he wouldn't have be sixteen or yeah. thirty eight and two as a starter and won every high school game he's ever started in regular season. So I mean, yeah, I mean, he obviously cares about football and loves football. He just doesn't want to be defined by it. Yeah, which. He clarified the article or made some comments today, like defending himself, like saying his words were taken out of context and stuff on Twitter today too. So, whoever wrote that article said that he told Trevor that that's probably gonna be taken out of context, and it's like reading headlines, I guess, and don't read articles. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing to worry about, Jags fans. I mean, I didn't see any Jags fans complaining about it for the most part. I mean, we're just happy we're gonna get them. So. And it's Super Bowl. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's just weird. It's just weird, weird to me. Uh, and then another stupid take was from an, an idiot draft writer, uh, Chad Forbes from NFL Draft Fight, yeah. saying, uh, I don't even know why we're, I'm acknowledging this, but uh, he said that he thinks that the uh, Trevor Lawrence said that, so the Jags won't take him at one. Yeah, like, come on, dude. What is wrong with you, man? Like, I mean, where do you get that from? Like, honestly, like, uh, like, uh, it's, he's an idiot, man. That's what he is. I mean, he's been the biggest clown on Twitter for going on six, seven years now. So, don't acknowledge anything that guy writes. Apparently, if you just change your like uh, profile picture to an NFL logo or a Twitter handle to. NFL, NFL, yeah, some, your name. Aaron Cabrera is still NFL, then I'll probably gain like 23,000 followers and I can tweet whatever I want. Uh, honestly, I don't know how people follow this guy. Uh, it's just an idiot take. I mean, you, uh, if you do this as for a living, he's doing to do this. Yeah. 
And if you do this for a living, I understand clickbait. I understand that, but I mean, have some respect for yourself. You know, <laughs> don't don't just make yourself look like an idiot, man. Yeah. It's just the stupid. That's the stupidest thing. Like, oh, uh, he wants to play, or he rather play in New York. That's the one reason why he's doing. He said those stuff. Like, no, uh, now this like this whole off season leading up to this point to the draft has just been up. Weird. Bunch of crazy talk, man. I mean, like, uh, do they just hate that the Jaguars are going to be picking the next guy that's going to be the face of the NFL? That's what it seems like, and I and I hate to play that card, you know. I hate to play the the Jaguars against the world card because we're such a small team. But that's what, like, the market like, or that's what like everybody seems like like when it comes to like the market and whatever. Trevor they hate that play. Urban went here. They hate that we're getting Trevor Lawrence, and then. I hate that they're gonna have to pay attention to little old Jacksonville. It's just, it's, yeah. If I strongly encourage you, if you follow NFL draft bites, to unfollow them. And like, just block them. You don't need that. I yeah, see these tweets ever. Yeah, I mean, you're better off listening to my little brothers talk about football, or your little brother talk about football, or uh, Squirrel Outside talk about football than that guy. Hey, I Christian mean, actually knows this stuff. NFL draft bites. I mean, who who called you that, man? Be serious. Who? <laughs> You called yourself that, but I don't know, man. It seems like the Jags are just, it's just, it's just, it's like frustrating, man. Not like, not frustrating, like where it gets to you, but you're just like, come on, people. Yeah, BS narratives and stuff like that. Clickbait writers, these Zach Wilson's the QB1, all this stuff, just because Jags was getting Trevor Lawrence. If the Jags had the number one pick, Everything will be smooth and well right now. Trevor will be what he is, you know, to the medium. It's just, man. Anyway, I'm not going to spend too much more time on that. We kind of ranted about it. Uh, we're going to get into our top five safeties, corners, and linebackers. Uh, let's start with linebackers. Who is your linebacker one? Our linebacker one is Michael Parsons from Penn State. And he's... I mean, as a prospect, just strictly football play. I mean, he's up there with like, I wouldn't say he's up there with them, but he's like a, at least like a, a little bit below uh, Devin White and Roquan Smith. I love those guys coming out. They were like two of my favorite players in each of their um, drafts. Like just a guy that you know is going to be a certified stud. But the thing with him, I mean, he has all the talent in the world and he has the production to match with it and the athletic ability, the testing, combine numbers, all our pro day numbers. But the thing with him is just his off off the field issues, man. He has like a lot of character concerns, and not to mention he's represented by David Mulligato himself. So like, if you're like a Detroit Lions team or one of those uh, teams that kind of struggled over the last few years, if you draft Michael Parsons, there might be a good chance that um, he might request a trade within a year or two. And that's just a thing out of David Mulligato's playbook. But I mean. As far as like a player though, he's, I mean, there's no denying his talent. I mean, he's always been a beast ever since he was a five star coming out of um, high school. Yeah. For me, my linebacker one is Zayvon Collins. You know, he's, I said it a lot of times on this podcast. I think he's the best defense player in the draft. I think like I almost put him as my number one edge rusher last week, but I mean, that's how highly I think of him. I think if he, if he's strictly a three, four edge rusher, if he goes to the right system, he'd be a number one edge rusher, but I just think he's, I think he's the best player, defensive player in the draft. I think that 
his instincts are off the chart. He's at the 260, ran a 466 on the combine or at his pro day, had like incredible broad jump. He just athletic ability and production matches up. So, I mean, he's going to be the best defense player in this draft to me. Yeah. And for my linebacker, too, it's Michael Parsons. Tony pretty much broke it down. His instincts are off the chart. You know, he is a lot like Roquan and uh, Roquan Smith and, and Devin White. And he uh, – but, like Tony said, the off-the-field issue, he has a little bit of Ruben Foster in him, too, you know. So, he uh, – He's definitely a great player. I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole just because of some of the stuff that did come out about him. It's just some yeah, some wild stuff. Some wild, wild stuff. But as far as on the field ability goes, he's up there with Zayvon Collins. To me, he's just not quite as good to me. All right. My number two, I mean, basically just flipped our one and twos. I got Zayvon Collins and my number two from Tulsa. Uh, Aaron pretty much um, – Broke it down, but I mean, he's a guy that could play anywhere. Play, rush the passer. He could play the line, like middle linebacker spots. Good at stopping the run. Good at covering. Good at rushing the passer. He could do it all. So I mean, I feel like you can't go wrong with David Collins if you draft him at any point in the draft. And then for my number three, I got Jabril Cox from LSU. I mean, he's like kind of in a lot of ways similar to David Collins. I mean, he could do it all. He could cover. He could rush the passer. He can. Uh, he's a thump, like a uh, run stopper, like uh, especially like one game that stood out to me. Like anytime I watched LSU uh, play, number nineteen jumped off the film for me. Um, especially against Florida, uh, I saw him covering Trayvon Grimes downfield. I saw him like just all over the field, man. I mean, definitely, uh, definitely a baller and will catch your eye if you watch him play. Yeah, he definitely jumps out. Uh, for my linebacker three is Nick Bowen from Missouri. You know, he's just an old-fashioned linebacker, just a thumper. Uh, he's a little bit limited athletically, but what he brings to the table in the run game is just unmatched from in pretty much almost any linebacker in the class. You know, I've seen him make – Throw that linebacker. Yeah, and, like, if you run a 3-4, you just need, like, the Jags. Uh, but I'm not saying we're going to draft him. We pretty much have that solidified right now. But, like, just picturing him next to Miles Jack in a 3-4 and just, like, you could rely on him to make that play in the run game. Is a guy I really like. I think he's going to be a stud. I think he's going to be like a guy that's just productive every year. You know, he's not a, he's not like a, a stat sheet stuffer as far as like all around like picks and forced fumbles or sacks. But he's going to be a guy that has like 120 tackles every year he's in his career. And for my linebacker four, it's Jeremiah Owusu Kamara out of Notre Dame. He um. He's a guy that would be higher if he's just a little bigger than me. He's just like, you don't know what he's going to play. You don't know if he's going to play safety or linebacker. But he does. Uh, he has one of the best tackling abilities in the draft. I mean, he's a hard hitter. He's another, like, throwback thumper if he wanted to, if he added a couple pounds. But he's also athletic, too. I mean, I'd probably put him over uh, Bolton if he was a little bigger. I just kind of have a question mark about where he's going to play. Yeah, my number four is the same, Jeremiah Owusu uh, Koromoa. Uh, I mean, Aaron pretty much broke it down, but I mean, he kind of—he's fast, fast linebacker. He's like, like Aaron said, he's kind of smaller. Like, he was—I don't know what he's measured in at his pro day. I forgot what he measured in, but um, I know he's listed a lot at six one two fifteen, 
it's kind of small for a linebacker, but I mean, he could be like a Tillman Smith, you know, one of those type of guys that like that play the weak side. I mean, he will be a weak side no matter what. So like he fits, he's kind of limited in like which defenses he pretty much, I can't see him in the three, four type of defense. You need those kind of like those big linebackers um, in the middle and then the outside linebackers that rush the passer. But as a four, three uh, weak side linebacker, I, I could definitely see him going the first round somewhere. And for my number five, I have Jamin Davis, um, linebacker from Kentucky. Uh, he's now he's one of those guys that could play out everywhere, like kind of like how Zayvon Collins is and um, Jabril Cox. He could play inside, could play outside, and he's an athletic freak. I mean, what did, did he run like a four three at his pro day? Yeah, yeah, and he's like he had like an eighty five yard interception return this year. I mean, shows his athleticism and um, he could just do it all. And I think it's like. He hasn't even hit his ceiling yet, so I mean, he, he's kind of still like a, a project, but I think he could reach like if he reaches his ceiling, he could be one of the better linebackers in this yeah. draft. Was, was this his first year starting? Because I mean, he's a guy that like yeah. I looked at, but then I saw his like production from two years ago or like his first two years, and I was kind of like, what? Where did this come from? You know? Yeah, yeah. He this was his first year as a full time starter. Yeah, he definitely produced in his role. He's a guy that I almost put on my list, but for my linebacker five. Is Jabril Cox for everything Tony said. I mean, pretty much an all-around linebacker. Like Tony said, he could cover in the nickel or like in the slot. He could rush the passer. He just makes plays. He's a guy that's always around the ball. And so that's a guy I really like. Uh, for my sleeper, it's Chad Surratt. I think his instincts are off the chart. I think that he has potential to be one of the best linebackers in his class. He just from switching over to quarterback, you don't know how much he needs to grow like as far as like a defender, you know, but on tape he produces like just like any other linebacker. Yeah, and my sleeper for me is Charles Snowden from Virginia. He's one of my favorite players in this draft. I mean, like my, watching him over the years because Miami plays Virginia every year. So like every time I watched him play against Miami, play against Virginia Tech, play against Florida State, he always jumped off the page for me. Like um, I think he'll probably be more of a, a outside linebacker. I can, don't see him as a middle linebacker. He's too like, like big, like long. Um, as like he's more of an outside uh, pass rusher type of linebacker. So, but like I could definitely see him about, like being a guy that um, gets five to seven sacks every year. You know, maybe I don't think he'll be like a guy that gets like fifteen or you know like those crazy amounts. But I could see him being like a solid player throughout his whole career, playing about seven to ten years and just uh, just being a highly productive player. And uh, I mean, he's a former basketball guy. He's like uh, he's six, seven, six, eight. He definitely like jumps off the page if you watch ever watch Virginia play. Yeah, he definitely does. I remember him against us. Pretty much any game he plays in, he yeah. maybe he just needs to put on a few more pounds. But other than that, I think he'd be pretty productive. So let's jump into corners. For my cornerback, one of this class is Patrick Sertan. Uh, think he's the best corner. He's big, athletic, strong, fast. His technique is pretty good at the line. I'm impressed. You know, he, you guys can do whatever. Uh, he's the most, uh, like, the most complete corner. I'll say that you could draft him in any scheme, and I think that he'll flourish. Uh, so that's my quarterback one. My quarter cornerback one is J.C. Horn from South Carolina. Um, I feel like he just checks all the boxes. I mean, he's 6 one 205. Four three four four speed. Um, you watch him 
South Carolina. I mean, him in Israel. Uh, can't say his last name, pronounce his last name, but he used to always it used to always be fun watching him play, even though like the defense is kind of bad. But uh, like those two guys, like always produced and played some good ball. But like, I just feel like the reason why I got him over sixteen is like, I just feel like he um he plays with more confidence. Sometimes like certain just like I want it seemed like he didn't play with much confidence sometimes, you know, like sometimes against Florida when he um, gave up that catch against Trayvon Grimes I mean, South Carolina a couple of years ago. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, I just got Jay-Z Horn. I just like him a little bit better. I mean, it's close, but I think when it's all said and done, Jay-Z Horn would be better, the better cornerback in this draft. And my number two is Patrick Satan. Um, Despite all that, I mean, I think he's going to be a good player. I pretty much broke it down. I mean, ever since he uh, went into – as soon as he stepped on Bama, he uh, started. So, I mean, he has a lot of experience. He has that bloodline in him. You know, his dad was a hell of a cornerback himself. So, like, I just think he'll be a pretty good player to you. I like J.C. Horn a little bit better, but I think it's close, though. Yeah, for my cornerback, too, it looks like we switched again. Like, the linebacker, Jason Horn's my cornerback, too. He is a dog. Like, he's the most, like, not physical, but he, like, has it in him. You know, he's the guy that, that you can trust. Yeah, like, on a third and one in the run game, you could trust him to make that stop, like, on a sweep to the outside or something. He's just He just has that that just natural ability to make the – make the play when he needs to make yeah, it. And that's another thing why I have him over him. Like, just how competitive he is. And, like, you know, uh, I was reading, like, interviews and stuff from people from South Carolina. They say he's, like, the most competitive person they ever saw. Like, I mean, in practice, he just, like, takes it like a game. You know, even if his own teammates, like, he just goes hard every single play. And he's, like, a film junkie. He studies, makes sure, like, always like uh looking to improve his game and stuff like that i'm not saying certain not like that but it's just you can just see the competitiveness in uh jc horn yeah i definitely think certain and jc horn are in the caliber of their own in this uh this class and then the rest of the corners fall under them uh, for my cornerback three is asante samuel jr he's a little bit smaller but his film doesn't lie you know he's I mean, if he was just like, I honestly think if he was a little bit bigger, if he was like six foot, he'd probably be the top corner in the draft. He makes plays. He don't. Have, he doesn't have the best boss because he doesn't get a lot of picks, but he does force a lot of incompletions. He, you could trust him. Uh, I don't know if you can trust him in the NFL because he's a little bit smaller, but in college you could trust him to shut down one side of the field, you know, just handle whoever's on him. Uh, he really grew a lot over uh, his – can't hear his career at FSU. Uh, the thing that stands out to me about him is kind of like J.C. Horn, where you can trust him to make a tackle on third and one. Um, the, one of the plays that I always remember about Asante Samuel is him tackling A.J. Dillon on third and one as a, his freshman year, and that was A.J. Dillon's junior year, which is like, man, that's like 176 pound at the time corner tackling this big 250 pound second round pick, you know? So, I mean, he is my cornerback three. Um, my cornerback three is Eric Stokes, cornerback from Georgia. Um, if you anytime you watch Georgia play, like um, their defense, I know Tyson gets a lot of love too. And they love his measurables and stuff, but Eric Stokes was by far the better cornerback, and any Georgia fan would tell you that. Like, I mean, 
every time like 27 uh, jumped out, like, every time you'll see like someone giving up a big play, it was either Tyson Campbell or someone else because of, I don't know, like I just never saw Eric Stokes give up that much stuff and he made big plays as well, like interception returns and stuff. And he like six foot, like 200 pounds, running for a two at his little combine thing. We don't know how legit these times are. We're just throwing out what they are telling us. So like, but like as far as a football player, I mean, and on top of the um, uh, combine numbers and stuff like that, he definitely, I think, would be a stud. Like a lot of people are sleeping on him too. Um, a cornerback four is Greg Newsom from Northwestern. Um, he's another one of those like guys that could play like inside, outside. Um, he's six one, about one ninety. His frame kind of seems a little bit smaller than that, but I mean that's what he's listed as one ninety. But he's a fast guy, four three guy. Like I said, you don't know about these times these days, <laughs> but um, he's a good football player. I would like to see him. Uh, Played a little bit more last year, especially against Ohio State. But other than that, I mean, his films are pressed. Plays with a lot of confidence, and that's why I kind of like my corners. Yeah, for my cornerback four is Ifatu Malafanu from Syracuse. Uh, he's a big six four corner. He uh, referring to the pro days. We don't know how accurate these times are, but he did run like a sub four four, which is impressive at like six four two ten. I think is what he's listed at. He's a big physical corner man. Uh, his brother played that too. He has a brother. The one that came from Connecticut a couple years ago. Oh, Jets by the Raiders. oh yeah, I do remember him. But I, I do think uh, Melifonio is a good player. He uh, He's a little bit raw. That's why he wasn't a little higher for me. He's like, he has a lot of stuff to work on, but he's physical. He, uh, he kind of fits what people want in their corner today, or people kind of a little bit overhype, like the size and weight for a corner these days. Because if you look at some of the better corners of the league outside of Jalen Ramsey, they're pretty much all around like 5'10", 5'11". But he's a, he's a guy that I think is an exception to – I think he he lives up to that prototype uh, hype. You know, he uh, he's a guy that I want on my team. Uh, it's going to take him a little time to develop. I don't think he's ready to come in and just isolate on one side of the field. But like three years down the road, I think he's going to be one of the better corners in the league. And for my cornerback five is Paulson Adebo from Syria or from Stanford. Uh, he's a guy that was hyped going into last year as cornerback one, you know, going into the 2020 draft. And then Gabe Davis got the better of him, the UCF Stanford game. And that's kind of what was the beginning of the fall for his draft stock. But I mean, watching him, he's a sticky guy. He's uh, You watch him from like his freshman year all the way to his senior year. And I mean, it's crazy how good he was as a freshman and how much better he got as a senior. You know, he uh, he's a big, tall, kind of lanky corner. He's sticky. Like I said, he's uh, always around his – You know, I don't I don't think I've watched him get burnt one time except when Gabe Davis got the better of him. But Gabe Davis is a pretty good player. You know, he's pretty good for the Bills right now. But uh, I don't understand why he's falling off so many people's radar. Yeah, he was projected first round pick last year. Yeah, a lot of people thought he was the best corner last year going into it. Then he returned for a senior year. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a guy that I think is a team's going to get lucky with. My cornerback my five is Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky. I mean, he has the measurables. He has, like, he stood out in like, quite a few games. The only problem with him is um, 
the amount of games he played. Um, as a freshman at uh, LSU, he like didn't really get much playing time because a lot of freshmen usually don't. So like he didn't play as much, and then he transferred like after the season or mid year, one of those. But um, then he had to sit out here for Kentucky, so he finally got able eligible to play and played a full year for Kentucky, or kind of a full year for Kentucky, and then played pretty well. Um, it's like six one one ninety. Like he has the length, the length and um, size that you like, and he has the speed too. Like we said, be careful these forty times. I mean, you never know. But they said he ran a four three, so we'll just go with that, and that's pretty impressive. So that's my guy. That's my cornerback five. And my sleeper from our corners are is uh, Trey Brown from Oklahoma. It was kind of hard to trust those defensive backs from Big Twelve, but like he cut, he uh, stood out. When Oklahoma played, you know, like last year when Kenneth Murray always jump off the page when you watched Oklahoma's defense. That's how Trey Brown was this year. And, I mean, I like he, I think he's been playing ever since he was a freshman. So, yeah, I know he's a high recruit at, um, coming out of college or coming out of high school because I remember him considering Florida and Oklahoma, but he ended up choosing Oklahoma and he played as a true freshman all the way through his junior year. And he, I think he's going to, like, be better in the NFL when he gets around a lot of uh, a lot of players that are better on this side of the ball. Yeah, for my sleeper is a big. You went with Big Twelve. I'm gonna go with a Big Ten corner and Richard Wild Goose. He's another guy that I understand why people aren't talking about more. I mean, he was one of the better corners in Big Twelve or Big Ten last year. And I mean, watching him, he looks just as good as these top guys. And I mean, he's a really good player. Makes physical. He has the kind of that JC Horn in him where he's just competitive. You know, you can see him fighting off blocks and making stops or fighting off blocks and stopping a screen. You know, he's a he's a great player, and uh, I think he's another guy that could probably play nickel in the league. He's a little bit smaller, but he could play nickel in the league, you know, and be pretty, pretty – carve out a good career as a nickelback. Yeah. And notice one guy that didn't make neither one of our lists is Caleb Farley. Uh, I just got to stay true to myself, and when I watched him – I didn't really like anything about him. Plus, he had that back back injury. You don't know how he's gonna come back from that. Yeah, he. Uh, I re- I do remember him having a crazy game against FSU, like yeah, a couple, two picks, three picks, or two picks. I think he had two, and then one. Three. I think it was two, and then one got caught back. Because I, I checked the other day, but I could be wrong though. But that's about the only thing I remember I liked about him. And then <laughs> he I was really good against Miami last year. He just is like so raw. I don't think he like. I don't know, man. He's, I think he's one of those typical corners that get overdrafted. Yeah. But let's move on to safeties. Uh, who is your safety one in this class? Well, I'm pretty sure both of ours consensus safety one is uh, Trayvon Mary. I think how you, that's how you pronounce it, Mary? Yeah. I think it's Mary, but um, it's from TCU. You know, he's just a guy that could do everything, cover, run. Um consistent every year he produces um he's good at everything i don't know if he's great at every, at anything but he's good at everything so that's the type of player you could plug in right away and um he'll help your defense instantly because you know what you're pretty much getting you're gonna get you're gonna get a good player uh whichever team decides to take him yeah and i'm in agreement there trayvon trayvon merrick is my number one corner as much as i Say that his safety class is weak. He definitely stands off as the best one. He, uh, like Tony said, he's solid everywhere. I don't think he's going to be great at anything, but.
But, I mean, he's going to be good at everything, which is going to lead him to be a great player. Yeah. He's um, up to the Jags a lot, too, so we keep a lot keep an eye on him for like, yeah. many reasons. Yeah, and like I said, the best safety in the class at 25 is a great value because usually the best safeties are taken at yeah. 10. And it's a kind of a weak safety class. So, like, if you're going to get <laughs> – I mean, if you're going to get a safety, get the best one. So, like, I mean – but the question is, is whether or not he's going to be there because, like we said, it's a weak safety class. So I could definitely see him um, going in that mid-first-round uh, range, you know, like 15, 17, somewhere around there, like no one, somewhere that no one expects. Yeah, I definitely could see that. I actually think that's what's going to happen. For my safety, too, I just have to stick to my guns here. Uh, as much as people I've, I've talked to try to talk me out of it or – and just don't like the player I like. I just I love Andre Cisco, man. I think he's the second best safety in the class. I don't really think it's a big drop between him and a couple others I have, but he just reminds me of Jordan Poyer or Eddie Jackson. He just makes plays. He uh he's not the best in the run game, but he's willing and that's coachable. You can it's harder to coach a guy that's unwilling than to coach a guy that's willing. You know, you could fix him missing tackles, but you can't you can't make a guy with no heart go out there and try to make tackles. Yeah, I remember it on CD last year. I got criticized for yeah. running and he ended up going to the league and he did pretty well. Yeah, so it's definitely fixable, you know. Yeah. And he just makes plays, man. Like I said, it reminds me, he's built in that Eddie Jackson, Jordan Poyer mode, who uh, physical ball hawks. Yeah. Um, as far as for me, number, my number two is Richie Grant from UCF. He's just he's kind of a smaller guy, like 5'11", 197 or something like that. But he could play. Center field, he could play um, nickel. He can, yeah, he could even play uh, nickel if you need him there. So he's like valuable, and like you can use him pretty much anywhere in your secondary. So that's always valuable to have. I mean, he's just a great player, you know. Like watching all those UCF games, I mean, him and Aaron Robinson were definitely the two studs from that team, you know. So like, I, I don't know if I would want the Jags to draft him, but I mean, he'll be a good pick for some team. Oh my! Uh, my number three, like I'm like Aaron sticking to his guns. I'm sticking to my guns. He's got player that I always liked, and I don't care about the pro day or whatever. I mean, I might have been bad, yeah, but I'm gonna stick with like what I see on the field. And my number three safety is Paris Ford from Pittsburgh. Like I like like how I mentioned earlier was Charles Snowden. When I watched him, he always stood out against Miami. So we Pittsburgh in the same conference as Miami, the same division. So Miami plays them every year. And I'm a big Miami fan, so yeah, and every time I watch uh, Pittsburgh, Paris Ford always made plays against us. I think this year he had like almost had a pick six or something like that. Might have had another pick too, but I don't know. But he he could do it all. He could cover, he could um he could uh blitz the quarterback, he could tackle, he could do everything you ask him to do. He's just a ball player all around, man. I mean he ran a bad 40 time, and that kind of got everybody talking crazy and a whole bunch of stuff. But, like, when you watch the film, he does cover a lot of ground, and he plays way different than what he tested at. So, Pierce Ford is my number three safety. I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to ride with that one to the wheels fall off. Yeah, for my number three safety is Richie Grant. Uh, Tony pretty much described it best. I mean, do you just watch a bad – not a bad UCF defense, but a UCF defense that gives up a lot of points. 
and you want and you just watch and then this guy always sticks out dude like t- tony said aaron robinson does too definitely but you could tell Rich- richie grant is the sole leader of that defense you know he uh he looks like the shot caller back at safety he's a he can make plays in the passing game he's a willing tackler and that's what you want in safety you always want the willing tackler you don't want a uh safety that don't tackle because that's your last line of defense yeah and for my speaking of safeties that aren't great tacklers for my uh safety four it is javon holland out of oregon he uh he's more of a free safety type of guy you know he's rangy uh makes plays like i say he's not the best tackler but he does make up for for what he gives you in the passing game he's pretty much the prototypical free safety yeah my number four is the same Javon Holland from Oregon. Um, Aaron pretty much just said it. I mean, he, he could play. I think I think some t- people even list him as a cornerback, so he could play a cornerback as well. It's kind of similar to Richie Grant in that, in that aspect. But yeah, I mean, um, he opted out this year, so it's kind of interesting to see how he bounces back. You know, how, although opt outs is kind of weird this year, so like you don't know how they're they're gonna do like um, after a year without football. So uh, I'm interested to see where he goes. Um, He's versatile, but uh, corners, free safety, nickel, whatever. But um, yeah, that's my fourth safety. And my last safety is Hamza Nazardine um, from Florida State. If it wasn't for his entry, he probably would be a lot higher, honestly. Probably be fighting for that number two spot. But he missed the whole year and he missed the majority of this year, right? Well, I mean, he got hurt the last year of his uh, sophomore year. Our junior. junior, yeah, and um, missed most of this season, so he didn't get much film. He only what played three games or something like that. Yeah, and had pretty productive three games. Yeah, so I mean, like, and he's a big safety. He's kind of different from those other guys. He's six four to twenty, more of like a hitter, like, but athletic too. Kind of similar, like to Derwin, how Derwin James was. Maybe not that athletic, but you know, just similar as far as like body types and um. Uh, size and stuff like that yeah for my safety five is elijah molden he's not list technically listed as a safety but he plays safety at washington i think that's what likely will end up as in the league i talked about one bill of safety and jordan poyer and he kind of reminds me of the other one kind of reminds me of micah hyde you know a guy that played corner pretty much the majority of their college career it shifts out to safety he's active you know he's like he's like Best way to describe him is like a, a gnat. You know, he's an annoying, like feisty player that's always around the ball, always making plays. And uh, he was a guy that when I watched him, I watched him at the corner, and that's what I was like looking at. And I was like, oh man, I don't like this guy. But then when I seen that he played safety, and I think likely that's what he'll project to as like a safety slash nickel in the league. And I think that he'll make a lot of money there. I think he'd be one of the probably better nickel safety come like tweeners in the league. And then for my sleeper, it is Hamza Nazaruddine for pretty much everything Tony said. I mean, I think he is getting overlooked because overlooked of his injuries and because he didn't have a great senior bowl. Uh, you know, people take a lot of factor into that, right? Whether you agree with it or not. Uh, he does. The only reason that he um, he didn't make my list as in the top five is he just gets lost too much in coverage. Uh, he's definitely athletic and makes plays. But as an FSU fan, I watched a lot of him blowing coverages and missing a guy or missing an assignment and some guy that runs right open, which might not, it might just be a, a 
example of a horrible defense, which, um, I mean, it could be because our defense has been awful these last couple of years. But at the same time, you got to know your assignment. You know, you can't just be blowing coverages in the league or you won't last long. But I do think that, like, he'll be, like, an in-the-box type of guy in the league, almost like an extra linebacker. But, yeah, that's my sleeper safety. My sleeper is Jacoby Stevens from LSU. Um, he's kind of a tweener between linebacker and safety, so he's one of those bigger safeties. But he's athletic, too, so, I mean, uh, he'll come run up and hit you, too, like uh, like a linebacker. So I, th- this was a guy that I was really high on coming out, um, coming off his junior year. I thought, like, after he announced that he'll stay in school, that he'll probably play, be one of those guys that play himself into a first-round pick. But that didn't happen, and I guess and for whatever reason, he's kind of overlooked right now. So, like, he'll probably be a later-round pick, like, fourth to sixth or something like that. But I think some team will get a steal. Whether you play him at linebacker, like, maybe he'll be – he'll probably – if he played linebacker, he'll probably be a weak-side linebacker in the NFL in a 4-3 defense. Or if he plays safety, I think he'll be um, a good safety as well. He's just a football player. And I think a team will get um, a steal when whoever drafts him. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, it's, like we said, the safety class is weak. Is there any guys that from any of these lists, from linebacker corners or safeties that just missed your list that you almost put on there? Uh, Asante Samuel for cornerback. I mean, cornerback today. It's a solid class all around. I mean, you got a couple guys, Asante Sam, you got Caleb Farley that we didn't mention. Or that we mentioned, but he wasn't on our list. Um, there's a couple other guys, too. Uh, I'm trying to think on top of my head. Tyson Campbell, but he wasn't really close to my list, though. But just throwing out guys. Yeah, like for me, it was one of your guys, Eric Stokes. I had him, and I kind of went back and forth with it, with Paulson, Paulson the Debo, and I just liked the way – Adipo translates a little more, uh, but he's a guy that I I wouldn't classify as a sleeper because he's higher and lower. It just depends on what whose board you read. So that's why I put Rashad Wild Goose as a sleeper instead of him. But uh, there's going to – this draft is going to be weird. There's going to be a lot of players that get drafted higher than yeah. we think and lower yeah. than we think because – Like we mentioned before. It's going to be it, – I mean, it depends how much – these coaches factor in pro days or believe what pro day time is what or what because it's going to be heavily film-based evaluations for most of these guys which like could work out for a guy like Paris Ford you know or could work out for a guy like uh JC Horn being well I mean he's going to get picked early anyway but he's a guy that stands out on film he stayed out of the pro day too but when you watch him on film, he just stands out like as an elite type of player. Mm-hmm. But we got some questions this week. We try to answer them every week. Uh, okay, so Darian Chill or Darren Harris, not Darren Chill, uh, Darren Chill on Twitter, but our friend Darren Harris from the Chill Takes podcast. He had a great episode this week with Trevor Sikimia. He Cover the Jags a lot in there, so y'all should go check that out on Spotify or Apple. He asked, Jags can't go the whole draft without drafting the offensive line. What round do you think they'll draft the offensive line? I'd say, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's kind of hard. I could see him, like, I'd say third, fourth at the earliest. I could definitely see Urban taking one of those Ohio State guys, like Wyatt Davis, if he falls there. 
you know, that's one of those guys in a productive player like that. So, I mean, I could definitely see him drafting one at him or maybe like a Walker Little from Stanford tackle. Um, he was a guy that was a couple, off his freshman year. He's like projected to be a first-round pick, but then I guess as in the last couple of years, he's been kind of banged up, so he kind of built. But those are two guys I would definitely look at and wouldn't be mad. Deontay Brown from Alabama as well. Yeah, I, th- I pretty much in agreement with you. Like the fourth round, I think will be the sweet spot. I think we've got so many other pressing needs yeah. that we won't draft one in the fr- like. I see people who are saying we're gonna draft Tevin Jenkins at twenty five, and I just I don't see that at all, man. I mean, Urban already made clear that he likes the way. Yeah, I mean, our offensive line is set up. There's there's no way he drafts. Yeah, Cam already signed his franchise tag. And, I mean, there, it's no point. Like, I mean, where you get – if you draft the offensive lineman, you're drafting one to sit on the bench, basically, for this first year. And that's not helping the team. Urban wants to win right away. Yeah, and I think if we are going to draft a lineman early, he wouldn't have been so adamant about our offensive line yeah, to yeah. the media and stuff. It just doesn't tell the fan base, like, hey, don't, if you don't sign a line or draft one, don't go crazy or anything like that. I, I think they're okay. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Uh, even at 33 or 45, it doesn't make sense to me. But once you get to the fourth round, I think, like, guy like who had as on, who I had as my sleeper Liam Etchenberg will be like a realistic guy there uh, so like you said I think the third late or third fourth round would be the sweet spot they go third round I want Wyatt Davis from the guard even though he's a guard but we need like the Jaguars need like uh, more depth up behind uh, those guys because well, I don't want Will Richardson starting at left tackle anymore you know you gotta get someone that's more serviceable than that and maybe not a bad guard, but as far as left tackle or right tackle, no. Yeah, and we still don't know what Ben Barch is. Yeah, that's not looking too great right now. Yeah, so I definitely can understand the depth move. I just can't understand drafting one early, like, as a potential starter. That just doesn't make sense to me, and I just uh, – You need starters. Those first four picks, you know, with the two first rounds, two second rounds, you need four starters right there. Yeah, we just have so many other pressing needs that. Yeah, our offensive line is already set. I mean, the the five offensive linemen that started last year pretty much are our starters this year. Uh, he also asked who will be the first non quarterback off the board. He just wants to say he's just trying to uh, bait us up to just say Cater's okay, gonna go next. That's oh, Kyle <laughs> No, I'm just playing. But yeah, I definitely think it has to be Kyle Pitts. I mean, alleged uh, Chase, but. If you're looking at more of a like a threat in the passing game, like um, I mean, what can you do with a six six receiver, like a six six two four two hundred forty pound receiver? You know that runs a four four, too fast for a linebacker and too tall and too big for a safety and a cornerback. So I mean, he's basically a receiver. So you draft the best offensive weapon, you can put him at tight end. You can do so many mismatches. So I definitely think Kyle Pitts uh, be the first guy off the board, like non um, quarterback. Yeah, I think he was trying to level, get a level of our Gator hate because yeah. we bashed Kadarius Tony. So, rightfully so, we yeah. pretty hard on Kadarius Tony. So, he's trying to see if we're biased or he's trying to see if what we feel about these Gators. But I do agree. I think Kyle Pitts is a stud. I think he, for the longest, I thought it would be Jamar Chase, the first. Uh, well, yeah, I thought it would be Panesu or Jamar Chase as the first non quarterback off the board. Panay has been falling a little bit, like, and not falling too bad, but as far as, like, being in top 10 or, like, being top five, he's been kind of dropping. Yeah, they're crazy, man. It's, it reminds me just like Andrew Thomas of last year. Yeah. Like everybody said, oh, everybody else is better than Andrew Thomas, and then he still gets you at the fourth overall because 
whether that's right or wrong, but yeah, you know, he did. Yeah, I, I just, I think Kyle Pitts will be the, the Gator fans need to hang their hat on that. Maybe hang their hat on something when it comes to the draft. Yeah, so, they don't have too many great NFL players. So, so, so Darian, your boy will be the, net, the top five pick. <laughs> uh, Robert Kastner, our friend from Twitter, friend of the show, he asked, what direction would you have wanted the Jags to take in this year's draft if two lost had stayed another year? And maybe give us a mock using that scenario. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm still a Justin Fields fan. That's my second favorite quarterback. So I I would definitely go with Justin Fields. Now, would I feel as confident about the Jags going forward as I do now with Trevor Lawrence? I'm not sure. I'd be a little bit more iffy because you never know how these guys translate. But I know Trevor Lawrence is a for sure thing. So, but as far as Justin Fields, um, I think he would be good, but I don't know for sure. You know, so like. Um, I would definitely take Justin Fields. I feel like he has the best upside of any other quarterback in this draft other than Trevor Lawrence. And I feel like um, he has it. I mean, he has all the tools, the strength, uh, the arm strength, the accuracy, the um, athleticism. I mean, he ran a 4-4. I mean, I'd definitely lean towards Fields if uh, Trevor Lawrence had stayed in school. Yeah. I was trying to play devil's advocate and try to find somebody else at our draft, but we have the number one pick, man, so we can't really reach with nobody. No. Nah. And we don't have a quarterback. If, if, if it was like a, a scenario where the Jags did a little bit better or I don't know. Uh, I got to go with Justin Fields, too. Uh, like we said, he's, a, he's always to us been the consensus number two quarterback in the draft. So as far as the mock goes, Pretty much will stay the same. Just you just add Justin Fields and take away Trevor Lawrence, and then that twenty fifth pick is still a big question mark. You know, yeah, uh, it's the biggest mystery. Yeah, because I, mean, I mean that twenty fifth pick determines what you do everywhere else. Yeah, like I mean, what are you gonna do? Thirty three, go. Trayvon Merrick got twenty five. Then you may draft a receiver at thirty three. If you draft a receiver at thirty three, you know, there's so many different options. So many different, so many holes that the Jags have. Yeah. I was trying to figure out a way where I could trade down that first pick and draft Justin Fields still because we know that what's the call is going second, yeah. uh, Zach Wilson. And then maybe trade 33 and trade up 33, 25, and maybe a second next year and get back up into like the top 15 and maybe draft like one of the next receivers, maybe a top 10. Maybe you can get top 10 with that. Jack Waddle or Smith. Jack Waddle Smith. And then you have Justin Fields and uh, Devontae Smith. It's not a bad combination. At all. And then uh, our, our other friend of the party, LSU Vol, uh, he asks when are we going to do a collaboration podcast with him? Whatever. Just let us know. We're always down. Yeah. We'll work something out, man. I yeah. definitely want to collaborate talk about maybe talk about some LSU, you know, y'all I I was thinking about it on the way here after you asked that question. I think LSU might be back in the running next year for the West. You know, maybe not over Bama, but maybe over A and M as that second spot. I think they definitely have the best two uh corner ten or the best corner tandems. Yeah with, with NCAA with Stingley and uh Elias Ricks. Yeah. And I mean I was just looking uh that receiver they have Bush Bouche- 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 they have uh, 
Yeah, he's next up. Like, I, like I, I think LSU is really the wide receiver you. And I think Keyshawn Boutier is next up. And they have Coy Moore. And as much as people talk about Brendan, he wasn't playing bad football no. last year before he got hurt. I think he had 11 touchdowns and three picks or something. So Yeah, I think um, Mac Johnson's the guy that yeah. he played good. I mean, he led him to a, a win against the number top 10, Gator, top 10 Gators in Gainesville. Yeah, but as a true freshman, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is. But I mean, with Miles Brennan, they might be better than a three-win team last year. You know? Yeah. I mean, he I mean, he's playing good ball before he got hurt. And I think him getting hurt and opting out, or not opting out, is probably a big reason that Terrence Marshall ended up opting out. So, you know? So I mean, I think it'll be a good competition either way. You can't go wrong with either one of them guys. Yeah. Uh, but I, right now, I'd give the nod to Max Johnson, or not Max Johnson. Uh, I give the nod to Miles Brennan. Miles Brennan. That's right. But like we said, we could talk about LSU. We could talk about the Jags. Maybe we could do a collaboration podcast after the draft, and we could talk about how you feel about some of these LSU prospects and their landing spots. So just hit us up, and we'll uh, we'll definitely work something out. But. That's it for our questions. You have anything you want to say before we end this? Yeah, I mean, it's just a short podcast because, uh, I mean, the usual podcast, but like we never had much topics to talk about. Not much going on. We can talk about everything. Like, I mean, this next week, as we go to the draft, and that'll be the next, or actually the next podcast will be the last podcast to the draft. So we'll have a lot of information. We'll have Darren come on and talk some ball. And we also want to get into like some more college ball, you know, talk about the Miami FSU spring games eventually down the road. So we'll probably do that soon. Um, but I mean, that's about it. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. As always. Yeah. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the questions. We enjoy those, you know, yeah. that's something we look forward to just like as a discussion topic, not because we think we're experts. It's just, yeah, it's fun to discuss. Yeah. Like, cause Usually the questions are thinking outside the box, like something we're not thinking of. So it gives us something to talk about and our opinion on situations. Yeah. And next week, we, like Tony said, we'll have Darian on to kind of our last final, whatever we lock in next week for our 25th pick and all that. That's what we're going with. Yeah. We'll probably like throw out like different modules, like different scenarios if we go one way or the other. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be an interesting podcast. Y'all tune in. Thank y'all for listening. Uh, we'll see y'all next week.